Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. We're going to read on down through 34. Those key scriptures is where we're going to pull most of the content from. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? Verse 32, And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Ain't nothing like the whole truth, is it? And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So as we look at the text today... And we look deeper into the title, Trusting the Touch. Two key words in the title that I want to just spend a few moments with, and that is the word trusting. In other words, placing confidence or having conviction that a particular thing is true. Placing confidence. You know, when you place your confidence in something, you kind of get locked into it. In other words, my confidence is pretty much, it's a big part of me. So if I release my confidence in a particular thing, it says that I I believe that that thing, no matter what, is true for what it says. And the other word I want us to look at is touch. So I'm placing my confidence in something But in particular, in this text, I'm placing my confidence in the touch. Touch can be defined as in contact with or something or someone. And you know that when we are in contact with something, it suggests that there is a close proximity. In other words, if it's a physical proximity, we know that we're close and we can touch that person. But sometimes we make contact or we get close to people um, emotionally. And sometimes uh, we don't have to be close to them, but our feelings would suggest that there's a level of closeness, there's a contact that's being made. And in other words, if we're not close to them, but because we're so emotionally attached to them, we often find ourselves thinking about them. Y'all ever been there? Thinking about them, wondering how we're going to see them, wondering how we're going to make contact with them. 
And, and, and sometimes, if we'll be real honest, sometimes it's a good contact. And you know sometimes it ain't no good contact. Come on now, we're going to be real today. But nevertheless, we have gotten ourselves attached to it. We, we, we made that contact. We, we're in touch with that person. You ever have family members and they say, well, stay in touch. You ain't seen them in a long time. They say, girl, where you been? We need you to just stay in touch, you know. We got to stay close contact with each other. But when we look in this text, we will see that the power of this touch not only was a physical or emotional contact, but it began to release something in this lady's life that was full of abundance. It was full of ability. It had resources and miracles as she touched Jesus. So let's go back and look at each verse and just kind of go and and, and kind of talk with the lady, this certain woman. And, and I notice how the Bible, it does not even give her a name. But we can look in the book of Matthew, and I believe we can look in Luke. And they both give an account very similar to what's occurring in Mark, but they all had their own touch. And so I, it lets me know that, you know, everybody don't have to know your name. Glory, glory. But if you have been touched by God, somebody is going to give an account to your story. And so we see here in Mark chapter 5, the Gospel of Mark, and verse 25, and it reads, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, now that's a long time, and if I were to ask any of our young folks how, who is about 11 or 12 years old, um, who, who, who would be raising their hand? I'm 11, I'm 12. Who's in here around 11 or 12? Who's in here 10? All right now. Okay, all right now. So in other words, since they've been on the earth and beyond, she's been dealing with this flow of blood. And I don't know if the if the flow of blood brought in tiredness. I don't know. I don't know if she had headache. I don't know for twelve years did she have backache. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that her legs hurt. I don't know that she had cramps. I don't know that she lost weight. Did she gain weight? I don't know. But for twelve long years, I mean, I, I know that the scripture says uh, that in verse twenty six, and had suffered many things. From many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So I said, you know, sometimes when you have issues with your blood, sometimes it's blood transfusions that you need. Sometimes it's infusions that you need. Sometimes it's chemo that you need. I don't know what whatever she did, whatever she did when she went to the doctors, but whatever it did, it did not work. For the Bible says that she has suffered many things. In other words, she had been affected in a bad sense by large amounts of things from many physicians. Now, we thank God for our physicians, and we thank God for medical technology, but that scripture lets us know it only goes so far. It only goes so far. 
And it also lets us know that not only was she dealing with things in her body, but she had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. I don't know her insurance plan. I don't know if she had an HMO. I don't know if she had an HRA. I don't know what she had, but the Bible said that she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. We know how sometimes we are when we put that co-payment down. $35, Mr. Dobbs. Come on now. We know how we are when we get that first prescription. Don't tell us we need two or three. And you saying, what? Now is my flex card working? <laughs> I mean, you can go ahead and swipe it. I just don't know what's going to happen. But you you know how it is when you put that flex card and you praying and hoping and believing and trusting God that it's going to flash up and the money going to come up. I don't know, but I know what the Bible says, that she had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had a bad plight if you will. Sister was going through things. And she had been going through for 12 long years. But if we pick it up in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, I mean, you know, you got to hear some things now. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. This lady heard something. And whatever she heard, it caused her to fasten to Jesus. It caused her to cling to him. I I don't know what she heard, but whatever it is, she heard it and she comprehended it. Now, I can think of, you know, there are things that I hear that I don't always comprehend. And sometimes I just smile and nod. You know, don't give it away. Just just smile and nod. I hear what you're saying. I ain't getting it, but you know, it sounds good. Great idea. Hmm, not sure what it is. And the other week, we were, I think I had just gotten off the road, and so my daughter, she's taking this stats class, and I am no help to her other than prayer. But anyway, so she was asking about this question. And I was laying on the couch, and we were trying to engage in conversation. She's like, I just can't get it. What are they asking? What are they asking? And I said, say it again. You know how sometimes you hear stuff and you say, say it again. Thank you. It's going to click. I said, she, she read it again. I said, yeah, it could be. And I said, hmm, no. And before I knew it, I had fallen asleep. I said, now that's a sign of no comprehension. All I heard was words. And when I woke up, I said, I'm so sorry. But there was no connection to what she was saying. And sometimes we got to make sure when we hear the word that it's connecting to what we're hearing. Because sometimes it could just be words, but when there's a connection made, comprehension comes. So the Bible says that when she heard what had been said, in other words, when she heard about Jesus, She came behind him in the crowd. So I said, now what did sis hear? You know, I like to I like to call her sis. It just makes it more personal to me when I'm reading the text. I said, sis, what did you hear? 
Because something that you heard, that you've been dealing with something for 12 years, you've consumed your money. You've gone from doctor to doctor to doctor. You've not gotten better, but you've gotten worse. Seem like you might be in a little despair. Seem like you might want to give up. Seem like you might want to give in. But you're still hearing. How many of you know the Lord don't want us to give up? He didn't want us to give in. No matter how long we've been dealing with this, that, or the other, we need to keep hearing. So I said, did she hear about the demon-possessed man with the legion of demons? Well, let's look at Mark and see what she could have heard about him. Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 13. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. Now, this brother, is, he's, 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 he's a little dark now. He's standing up in the, in the graveyard. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had of often been bound with shackles. Isn't that song appropriate about chains and shackles? I mean, you know, when they really get on you, they can really get on you. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. So he pulling his own chains apart, and these shackles breaking in pieces, this is something else. I don't know, maybe she heard about him, and neither could anyone tame him. This brother was not going to be tamed. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Woo! When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He, he was out of his mind, but he wasn't that far out. We could be going through some, but that don't mean we're going through that much. Because when he saw Jesus from afar, he wasn't even up on him. He ran and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by the God that you do not torment him. Me. In other words, I see you from a distance. I'm going to fall down and worship you, but please don't come and torment me. Now, we know this brother's already in torment because he's breaking chains and he's breaking shackles and he's cutting himself and he's crying throughout the night and nobody can tame him. But he did not want Jesus. I mean, you know, the devil knows who can tame him. And he cried out with a loud voice and he said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? Look at this demon. And he answered and said, my name is Legion. Maybe sis heard about him. For we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus came them and gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So maybe, maybe sis heard about him. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he heard about Jerry's daughter. Remember Jerry's daughter, Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 23? And behold, one of the rulers, you know, you might have gone to the doctors, you might have used all your money, but when you see the, the government officials, when you see some of the rulers seeking after somebody, that kind of gets your attention, too. It gives you a little bit of hope. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. This is Jer- um, in Mark 5. 
and we see that in 22 through 23. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. Now, I don't know. I said, did, did the woman with the issue of blood, did she know about Jerry's daughter? Did she... Did she know about the man with the demons? I, I don't know. Did she hear about the man that was healed of a, the paralytic that was healed in Mark chapter 3? Let's go to Mark chapter 3 real quick. Because, see, sometimes we got to hear some things. We're trying to figure out some things, but sometimes you just got to hear some things. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. This man got something going on with his hand, and he's not able to use his hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. You know, sometimes people are not there to, for your good. Some people are just there just because they're just there. And we got to know the people in our lives that's for our good. And we, knew, we need to know the observers because the observers might turn on you. So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. They didn't really want the man here. They were really looking at Jesus to see what he was going to do so that they might accuse him. So there you go. And, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to him, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil, to save life or to kill? But they, they kept silent. See, when the word comes forth, why are you keeping silent? Well, Jesus is talking. And when he had looked around at them with anger, the Lord was a little, he was a little upset with them. He said, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Isn't that a hot mess? I mean, the Pharisees, them the church folks, what's up with them? You know, it's bad to come up in the church trying to get a healing, and the church folks trying to say, oh, no, he ain't healing up in here. This is Sabbath day. We came in here to praise, worship, and give, and that's it. We're going home. We're out. Deuces. We're it. That's it. You don't want to come up in God's house, and that be your mindset. You want to come up in your house looking for your miracle. You want to come up in your house believing God for deliverance. You want to come up in the house believing you're going to walk away with peace and prosperity. You don't want to be saying, oh, no, we can't do that today. We ain't got time. So I don't know what sis heard. But whatever she heard, it stirred her faith, and it gave her hope. You know, I, I, I think about sometimes, and, and, you know, I pray, and, and I continue to pray over our bodies that we have good health. But if, if you've ever, you know, been a caretaker or if you've ever observed someone that's really battling in their body, you know, they got to keep hope. They got to keep hope when they don't feel like it. They got to keep hope when the doctors tell them certain things. They got to keep hope when they see things going on in their bodies. They got to keep hope. And so as I looked at this text and I said, you know, no matter what she dealt with for 12 long years, sis had hope. Mm, Hope for the journey. Some of us have heard that when we think in terms of breast cancer awareness, having hope. She heard something. She comprehended something. And, and, And when she did, and we look at Mark, go back to Mark 5 and 28, it goes on to say... For she said, if 
only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So in other words, whatever she heard, she had a conversation with herself. You know, sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Now, Minister, <laughs> Senior Minister um, Margin said, sometimes we be talking to ourselves and we have a whole conference. And it'd be crazy stuff we saying to ourselves. And I said, you know what? Sometimes I have said, now, self, girl, that ain't God. And you know you want to say, now, listen here. I think I can handle this. And you say, self, girl, that ain't God. Now, you're going to mess up. And I used to talk about that alter ego because, honey, I had one, one sister. I call her Candace. Some of them know him at work. I said, Kansas, we got fired up in here, so we don't want her to come out. Let's let Cassandra stay on this job, because sometimes we talk to ourselves, and we can talk ourselves in a hot mess. But in this case, she talked to herself, and she said something to herself. She said, now, I need to touch. Mm-mm-mm. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. I noticed something that she didn't necessarily want Jesus to come lay hands on her. Remember Jairus? He, he asked the Lord to come lay a hand on his daughter. She didn't necessarily need Jesus to speak a word over her life. Remember the interaction that Jesus had with the demon that caused the man with the demon? She didn't, she didn't really need that. She'd been through all this for 12 years. She spent all that she had. She not, hadn't gotten better, but gotten worse. And she's saying, I just need to touch his garment. I said, sis, you can go on the close book now. She said, all I need to do is just cling on his garment. How often do we hear that word? Do we cling to that word? She said, all I knew, I, I know that if I do it, I'm going to be made well. I, I know if I, if I could just touch his garment, I, I'm going to be healed. I'm, I'm going to be preserved. I'm going to be safe. All I got to do is just touch his garment. I said, sis, you a bad girl. You who I want to be when I grow up. I just, I just want to touch his garment. And I said, you know, when you really get desperate, honey, you ain't got to have nothing extra. You ain't got to have no props. Ain't nobody got to call you and encourage you. Ain't nobody got to lay no hands on you. When you really get ex- really, really get desperate, you will realize the power that's in the touch. She said, I know in myself, if I do that, healing is coming to my body. Now, now again, we go through something for two or three days. Sometimes it's two or three hours. I mean, we might go up for three or four years. We might. But 12 years, and you still have enough hope in the fact that if you reach out and touch him, that you're going to be healed, even though the doctors told you healing wasn't in your, in, in your view, even though you done spent all that you had and you ain't got nothing but you're getting worse, but you're going to touch God and you believe him for healing? I mean, she could just run women's ministry. We ain't got to do nothing but just sit in her presence. But there's something about touching Jesus, not necessarily touching the preacher, because you know that's what we want to do. We want to touch the preacher sometimes. Come on now. Or we want to touch the church. And all those things have its place. 
But when you put the preacher above Jesus, you might have missed your touch. When you put the church above Jesus, you, you might have missed your touch. Because you're trying to be healed from something that is limits, has limits on it. When you need to be trying to touch a God who is unlimited. How many of you know that the touch of God brings about salvation? And we know that with salvation comes deliverance, comes protection, and comes prosperity. And this woman realized, she said, listen, she had some kind of conviction on the inside of her. And that conviction said, you know what, if I could just reach out and touch. You know, that was a song, wasn't it? Reach out and touch somebody's hand. I ain't going there with you. I think they said you make this better, better world, make this place a better world if you can. I don't know. I better leave that alone. But she understood. She had a conviction on the inside of her that I know that this man called Jesus has something on the inside of him. He doesn't have to lay his hands on me. He doesn't have to speak a word over me. He doesn't have to cast the sickness out of me if I could just touch his garment. Now, when I pondered on that, and I said, you know, this lady had a conviction. And see, sometimes we have a good idea, but it might not be a conviction. See, a conviction is that I hold firmly a particular belief no matter what. In other words, I'm not going to allow situations. I'm not going to allow people. I'm not going to allow things to pull me off my conviction. In other words, many of us, we may have convictions, but they may be rooted and grounded in things that's not true. See what I'm saying? So I have a conviction. You know, I have a conviction that, you know, that I need to do X, Y, Z. Uh, I, I don't know what, what your conviction might be. I, I have a conviction that, um, I don't know what your conviction might be. It might be that you, you're supposed to eat collard greens and peas on New Year's. I don't know what your conviction might be, and you ain't going to let it go. Now, some people have that conviction, and they don't feel like the year going to start off right if they don't have certain things to eat. I mean, if you want to eat them, just eat them, but don't, that shouldn't be your conviction that that's your prosperity is going to be locked into that. Now, that's good eating. Can we say amen? Yeah, 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 that's good eating. But but that may not need to be your conviction. So so she had a conviction. And what I found out that when we get to our point of conviction, it takes us to our point of commitment. So in other words, her conviction made her committed to getting to God. See, sometimes we try to have uh, a thought. But a conviction will stir you. A conviction will move you. A conviction will say, no matter what, I'm committed to this. Regardless, you know how you have a conviction on giving, and you know I got to bring God His tithes and His offer. I'm convicted about that thing, man. I ain't trying to have nothing extra. Matter of fact, I just put in extra each week just in case I miss something. That's my conviction because I I don't want I can't be walking around with no curse on my life, and I don't need my stuff to be cursed. I need my stuff to be free so it can continue to produce and increase. But that's a conviction of mine, you know. I, I just have certain things that it's just those are my personal conviction. So when when we think in terms of conviction, conviction comes when there's a knowing 
as to how and where I am at this place. In other words, how did I get here? Because my conviction will stabilize me. It will, it will encourage me. It will give me hope. Uh, I, my trust is in the Lord. He, and what she was saying is I, my conviction is that when I touch God, something is going to happen in my life. You know, the Holy Spirit comes to bring about conviction. Turn with me to John chapter 16 and verse 8. John chapter 16 and verse 8. And it reads, and when he has come, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. In other words, when the Holy Ghost comes, he comes to convict. He comes to convince the world that they're missing the mark, that they're sinning. He comes to reprove or to rebuke the world. In other words, but not only does he come to bring conviction of sin, but of righteousness. The Holy Ghost will let you know if you're living upright. You know it will. The Holy Ghost will let you know if you're living a life that's approved of God, that's acceptable by God. You may say, I don't know, I just didn't feel right. You know that was the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost said, don't you make that phone call. He said, yeah, but. Holy Ghost said, mm-mm, you know you better than that. He said, yeah, but. That's the Holy Ghost convicting you. I know you didn't know what it was, but that's what it was. And he goes on to say, and of judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to cause the great separations from right and wrong. We don't have to worry about doing it. Just let the Holy Ghost work. So conviction is very, very important. And we also see that conviction will cause us to begin to see things greater than what our natural eyes can see. You know, I think about the conviction of the Holy Ghost when it comes to righteousness. The Holy Ghost will tell you, you got to have integrity. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you ain't going to do it, you ain't going to do it. But don't, don't be the Christian that sometimes they believe you're a Christian, sometimes they don't. Holy Spirit will convict you of that, that he live a pure life, to be righteous, to have correct thinking and feeling and acting. And I know at, at um, this previous place of employment, they used to say, Dodds. You're like our moral compass. So what? That's you after a hot, fiery trial. I said, what? Like, you're our moral compass. We need you. Where you been? Don't let me be out three or four days. Where you been? I said, I just been living. So what they were really saying is, we know that you're going to guide us into a place of peace. We know that when you're going to give us some advice, it's going to be something to bring about prosperity. And I said, now nah, you really, you, you asking for the Holy Ghost, what you asking for, but I know you don't know what it is. So I'm just going to be the vessel that God used that has the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit is the moral compass. We're not the moral compass. We just want to be in a place that we are hearing from God, that it will allow us to be a light to others around us so that they need the guidance that we bring. First John 3 and 20 tell us, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So in other words, if your feelings and your thoughts starting to kind of condemn you and making you feel a little funny, honey, God's greater than that. And he knows all things. And so when sometimes, you know, sometimes we can get kind of caught up in, I don't want this person to know this and I don't want this person to know that. It's okay. The Holy Ghost knows. He's greater than our heart, our heart, our thoughts, and our feelings. He knows all things. 
And so we just have to keep that in mind. But let's go back over to Mark chapter 5 because we're going to wrap this up. Let's hear from our good sister. She is head of women's ministry. Mark 5 and 29. Y'all excited about this text? Some good stuff. You know, sometimes when I read the word, I'll read a scripture, and I was like, mm-hmm, let me go back and read again. Mm-hmm, let me go back and read again. Mm-hmm, let me, let me take a day. Mm-hmm, go back and read again. Mm-hmm. And each time you read, it unveils more and more. Some of the what we like to do, we just like to read and, and go. And we say, well, I read it. You're like, but what did it say? Oh, no, but I read it. I mean, it was two words I remember. Nah, sometimes you got to just get in the text and just stay in there. And you got to have a conversation with sis. You're like, what was you thinking? What was going on? You know, you got to, you can't just go skimming through the word. That's, that's just reading. And when you really get into studying, oh, that's beyond reading. You read it. Like I said, I get up and I read. I have my little Bible text. I'm so ashamed this morning. I got up and I picked my Bible up and I was like, oh, this Bible has dust on it. And I said, but don't think I ain't reading my word, but I use my phone. But I'm slightly getting a little convicted that my Bible had dust on it this morning, so i got to start reading my Bible more. But there are times I just wake up, here's my phone, my Bible app, and I just read a passage of Scripture. And you're like, now what did that really say? I'm helping somebody. Somebody been skimming through. And you wonder why it just words, like you falling asleep like I was on that stat question. You fall asleep because you're not engaging in the text. But this sister right here, she says in verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So in other words, when she activated her faith and she touched God, then shortly thereafter that blood that had been going for 12 long years that had caused her to consume all of her resources, it dried up. And she felt, in other words, nobody had to tell her it happened. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She understood. She was like, you know what? I touched Jesus' garment. And let me tell you something. I know that I know that I know that I'm healed. I said something. When you spend time with God, and you know the Lord has touched your life, do you walk away knowing that you know that you know that he's done that thing for you? She said, oh, I felt that in my body. I already knew. I knew I was made whole. Healing has to do with our physical body, but it also has to do mentally. But I also believe that it's spirit, soul, and body. Healing is to be free from errors and sins and to bring us into salvation. Mark 5 and 30, it reads, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? I said, Sis. Now all these people around Jesus, and you saw the disciples try to get a little smart. Like, uh, we don't know who touched you. You guess, because we don't know. I think Luke said, and Luke, it said, Peter, Peter said, Jesus, who, 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 you pick and choose? We don't know. But something went out of him. And so as I was looking at that, he said, 
knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. What is power? Power says that abundance has left me. Mm. Strength has left me. Remember she had used all of her means. So her body was healed, but it didn't stop at her body. Ability has left me. Mm. Power to perform miracles has left me. See, when we touch Jesus, we 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 moving too fast because you don't know what you got in that touch. Sometimes you got to stay there a little longer to see what really did go inside of you. She said, he, he said, oh, oh, no, 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 no. I know a lot of people around me, but everybody ain't touching me. Mm. We don't want to be in a church where there's a lot of people in the church, but ain't a lot of people touching God. He said, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, immediately I know within myself. Now, when you can touch God and cause him to pause and have a conversation, yet I did something, bro. He said, oh, I, I know. Something different came out of me. He said, because I felt the release when it left me. He said, who touched my clothes? Who is that that's clinging to me? I want to know in this place who's clinging to the promises of God. When you hear give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, who is touching with that? Can you touch and agree with he's going to make us ahead and not the tail above only and not beneath? Who is clinging to that? Oh, man. He said power and influence has gone out of me. Armies of forces, a host has left me. I said, now, you know, this this is this a bad sister right here. Now, you won't got to know her name. We don't need to know her name because she's letting us know something big in this text right here. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude stronger than you, and you say, who touched me? You know, we want to be discerning disciples. They didn't, they didn't even know what happened. And isn't it something how you can be going through something, and you know you haven't made that connection with God, and even your spouse don't know, or your children don't know, or your sisters and brothers don't know. But you know you got that connection with God. They were all around, but they still didn't know what had happened. They said, this multitude, all these folks around you on every side, and you say, who touched me? Lord, help us to be spiritual. Mark 5 and 32, and it reads, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Jesus stopped and looked around. You know, when you can get Jesus to stop and look around. I mean, I don't know. I'm telling you, I was so into this text. I was like, I ain't doing nothing. I better get on my knees and stay there. I might as well just go and get me some Vaseline and, and put some on these knees and get on there and stay there. Because I need Jesus to say, who touched me? I need him to stop what he's doing and say, I know Brittany is asking for a miracle. But dog, sis, girl, did you touch me? That's kind of what was happening. I know everybody else getting their miracles, but he said, uh-uh. This one right here was different. Something, something caused the Lord to pause. And he looked around to see, who, to see her who had done this thing. But notice what happened to her. You know how it is when you're asking God for a breakthrough, and then it come. Verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Sis started shaking. 
You know she been sick all this time. She ain't had no more money. When no doctor said anything to you, and I, I, I know what it's like when the doctor said this is it. I remember distinctly when my um, my sister, uh, when she came up on this end for treatment at cancer center, and pretty much the doctors in her area said, you know, there's nothing else we can do. And we was like, we're not taking that. We're not believing that. We're going somewhere else. And then I remember that first appointment, and they, you know, when you come and find yourself at that place, and you're like, uh, yeah, he said, they said, well, we got some things we can try. We're going to try. And that's, it was research. So I, I think if you, if this worked, this going to do this. And if this worked, this going to do that. Because, you know, sometimes we go to the doctor and we get one prescription we go home. That's not true for everybody to go to the doctor. And they said, now this drug right here, now it will suppress the tumors. But if they ever stop working, they're going to come back with a force. See, when you get real sick and real desperate, you don't know what people have taken in their bodies. And we can sit on the side and say, oh, I would never do that. You don't know what you would do when someone says, if this going to keep you on this earth or if it won't. But he said, they said, well, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be it. And they said, but what we won't do is we will not allow the treatment to kill you. You know, sometimes people have to make that decision. Is it going to be the disease or is it going to be the treatment? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, who had executed this thing. But this woman, she was fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. You know, sometimes when the promises of God begin to manifest in our lives, it startles us. You say, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this big. Yay, yay, yay. I didn't know this promotion was going to cause me to have to do this. I didn't know I was going to have to have these responsibilities. You know how fear starts trying to creep in. You'd be like, ooh. This might be a big one. I didn't see them Canaanites and Jebusites. I didn't know NX children was over here, them big giants. I, I didn't realize that. I, I wanted to have the presence of God, but I didn't know it had all this. This lady came before God, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. And she said, she came, she fell down before him and told him she started speaking the whole truth. You know, sometimes when it get real big, we'll start telling the whole story. You know, somehow we, we'll hold back a little bit. But when you get real deep, you'll start telling the whole truth. Look, God, I really ain't got this. I mean, I don't want you to know. I don't want you to think I got this, God. I ain't got this. I, I really need you right here. You know, that whole truth start coming out. At first, you were all big and bad. And then when you saw how really big the blessing was, you were like, ooh, no, I really need you, God. Like, can you hurry? Like, I need you now. The whole truth starts coming out. And then we see in the text where in, in um, 5 and, I don't got all excited, 34, after she started talking and started confessing, he said to her daughter, and then, and then like, like the Lord saying, babe, girl, the one who's acceptable in my sight, he said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Mm. Your faith, your conviction. Mm. The doctor didn't make you well. 
Your job didn't make you well. Your duties at the church didn't make you well. Your title didn't make you well. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your conviction of the truth. See, that's why we had to come hear that word. You got to hear the word for what the word says. You don't need to be mixing those stuff in it. You need to hear the pure, unadulterated word of God. Because you know what? When it's all said and done, and you can't call on your mama, your daddy, and you can't call on your sisters and your brothers, when you have to pull on your faith, you have to make sure that your faith is the very thing that's going to make you well. And he tells us, he said, go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. I said, Lord, you awesome. And I believe that's what the Lord is telling us today. When we would just dare to touch God, just dare to cling on to this text today and realize that the hand of God was on her life and that same hand is on our life. You may not be dealing with your body, but you're dealing with your finances. You may not be dealing with your finances, but your marriage is all jacked up. You may not be dealing with that, but your children are acting a hot mess. Whatever it is that you need God to touch, Let your faith work. Hold on to what your faith is saying. Hold on to what you know that the word says about your situation. Because he said, daughter, your faith. It wasn't even the touch, baby, but your faith. You had faith in the touch. Woo! You had faith in the touch. I know you thought it was my garments. The healing went in my garments. But my garments was a point of contact. Didn't last week he talked about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus was the access point? Woo! That the power surge began to flow when we touched Jesus? <sighs> he said, go in peace. Go in deliverance. Go in prosperity. Go in safety. And go in security. Trusting the touch from Jesus can produce abundance in our lives, resources, ability, wealth, health, riches, wisdom, and insight. Trusting the touch from Jesus. You gotta ask yourself, what am I looking for? You know, you gotta work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. And it took me a while to figure that out because I want to help people. And I just don't want them to go through and I just don't want them to suffer and I just want them to be happy. And you, I just want them to just, oh, I want them to be loved and I just want them to love me and love the world and kumbaya. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you just got to say, you got to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. And when you know that you need God to move in your life, you got to ask God. You can't wait for other people. Other people go with you so far. They'll go so far. But you got to know that when you touch God, that a release of abundance is coming your way. A release of resources. Ability that you didn't know that you had. Wealth that you didn't know that was had your name on it. I'm believing God for wealth that I don't even see my name on it, but I just know it's out there. I believe that giving is so strong in my life that he's going to be sending resources. People don't know why they want to give it to him, but this girl is going to get it. You know why? Because the wealth has already been ordained to me. Healing. And the final point, God touches us week in and week out. He makes contact with us with his written and revealed word. 
stand to your feet. Let's trust the touch. Let's trust the touch. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.